What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, Sean Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and so glad to be with you. We're going to go in the lab with Drew Doherty in our next segment. And when I say we, I mean me and Drew. We had a lot of different things uh, on that in the lab, but we'll have that for you in our next segment. Obviously, we hit on the 53-man roster, the cuts that took place, those kind of things. But, yeah, that's the next segment because we're coming right out the shoot, hot, coming out hot. And how do you do that on a Wednesday edition of Texas All Access? Well, you bring in GM Nick Casario, who decided to share a few moments with Mark and myself. What a beautiful human being he is, and we had an opportunity to catch up with him and talk a lot of different things about this team talk about the cuts, talk about various positions, and talk about the Indianapolis Colts. And we will close with an idea from Mark that gets shot down very, very quickly right at the end of our interview with Nick Casario. Let's go. Mark, me, Nick, now. Joining us right now on Texans Radio, it's general manager Nick Casario after being completely done with the roster, no more changes, everything's set in stone. (laughs) Just kidding. You know, we joke that it's like a construction site. It's always under construction. You finish this ramp here. You're working on that shoulder there. You're never done. That's exactly right, Mark. You really kind of create different buckets. And depending on the time of the year, there's certain things that are appropriate for that time of year. So I think this is the time of the year it's really in mass. You know, when you look at what happened yesterday throughout the league, there was almost called a thousand transactions. It wasn't quite that many, but it's a significant amount. So 27-ish play, 25 to 30 players come off of a roster so that are available to the rest of the league. And there were 33 claims that were made this afternoon, which is historically about what it is. It's about 35 to 40 claims kind of at the initial cutdown like it is. There'll be some players that are offset as a result. So there'll be players that were on that are going to come off. So they'll be available for the rest Mm. of the league. They'll be available potentially for your practice squad. So I'd say this week between now and probably into next week, there'll be a lot of, I would say, player movement. And then eventually you'll kind of solidify and get situated. Um, And then by the end of September, you'll probably have a good idea of kind of where you are and where your players are. And then moving forward, it's probably going to be more of a case-by-case specific uh, you know, player situation relative to what's going on with the rest of your team. Nick, it feels like that's something that – not that we have to feel we have to educate listeners, but there are listeners and people out there like, oh, the 53-man roster, like it's set in marble. Are there players and agents that kind of look at it that way too where you almost have to educate them on, hey, look, this is for now, but it doesn't mean for later? I think – A lot of the agents understand how it works. So, you know, they understand it's kind of a snapshot in time at that particular point in time, but it very easily could change. So I think the one thing that we try to do is just be consistent with our messaging to the player and not, I would say, over-promise and under-deliver. So just try to do the right thing, just be honest, and if you have a situation that comes up where you have to move on from the player, the circumstances may have changed. Don't try to sugarcoat it. Just explain it for what it is. But we look at it as it's 53, kind of your question, John, but then Lovey yep. has talked about this multiple times, and we've talked about this. It's really 70 or 69, however you look at it. Right. So those practice squad players are just as important or just as valuable as the players that are on the roster. So you have to look at it. You have 53 players here, and then you're going to have 16 players over here. So how do you distribute your depth? I think that's really the piece of the puzzle, what you have to determine. And 
that group of players over here, you're looking for certain things and every team is different. So it goes back to what your philosophy is with that particular group on, on the practice squad. People here are 53, 16, 70 because of the international Correct. player, Deo. But there's also 46 now. What is it? 47 plus the O-lineman, if you want. It can be 48 on game day, which is really the biggest number, right, Nick? It's really about 48, Mark. That's right. Exactly right. So you can get to – it's 48, and then you can have X number of players inactive based on if you have elevations or not from the practice squad. So theoretically, you have 53 – you have everybody else, but then you could have 55 Then you with the two elevations, and then you have to make seven players inactive. So if you just stick with the 53 and have no elevations, make five inactives with the eight offensive linemen. If you have an elevation, if it's 54, then you have seven. If you have you know, 55, you have eight, whatever it is. So just mm-hmm. the, the math is a little messy right now. But, again, you, can, you have to account for those players, and you're, gonna have, you're always going to have X number of players that are inactive each week. Nick, did the philosophy change on how you – you look at the overall roster once COVID hit and practice squads could expand to 16. I don't remember what it was in the COVID year. I think it maybe was 16, but did the philosophy in your mind change then trying to deal with COVID and all the different ins and outs? Did that kind of change the way you look at it at that point? Yeah, we learned a lot on a lot of levels about COVID. I think everybody has sort of benefited from the extra roster flexibility. The players benefit, you know, that the teams benefit. So you have more opportunities to get other players and maybe more players in your building. So it's a long year. There's a lot of physical demands that are placed on the players. It's a very, I would say, demanding game that, yep. that the players play. And their bodies go through a lot. So just having, let's say, more healthy bodies, more readily available bodies is to the benefit of everybody involved. So I think everybody has appreciated and responded favorably to yeah. the increase in the size of the practice squad and the flexibility that comes along with who can be actually be on the practice squad in those roles. Let's talk about the receiver group for a moment here. You talked about Tyler Johnson in your press conference a little bit, Nick. And Chris Moore, he's added a lot. I know we had him last year, but he's really shined in camp, it appears. Caught the touchdown against the 49ers on Thursday night. Seems like you have a lot of versatility in this group. Yeah, that whole group, they all kind of have their own unique qualities about them. They, everybody, Every player has their own strengths. Everybody has certain things that they do maybe better than others. So I would say when you look at the composition of that group, that is certainly true. Um, Nico's different than Cookie. Chris Moore is different than Philip Dorsett. So... You look at everything, I think, in, specifically in Chris's situation, between offensively and a kicking game, he's been able to kind of create and carve out a role for himself. He's got a good attitude. He's out there every day, um, and he's improved relative to where he was last season. So, you know, we feel good about the group that we have. And then, you know, added Johnson, uh, Tyler Johnson, with the waiver claim here, you know, uh, a few hours ago, whatever that was. So we'll take probably four to five receivers to the game each mm-hmm. week. Um, it could be more, it could be less, but – so when you take four or five receivers, you want to make sure they have roles. And then if you're back, they're backups, are they just offensive backups? That's okay. Or do they have some additional value that you, they could help you in another phase on fourth down? Nick, one of the things this summer that I want on a little bit of a, a rant about, as you look at the receiver group, there's no slot receiver. And I said, look, you don't have to have a Wes Welker, Danny Amendola, a guy that has been you know in the slot. That's what he does. You just have to have – players that can go inside and win inside do you find that with your receivers that you do have guys that can win both inside and outside no matter whether you look at them and say that's a slot receiver or that's an outside receiver where you put a label on a guy yeah it, I think like you said John 
putting labels on receivers sometimes is, you know, I'm not saying you, but is a little bit irresponsible. Right. So really playing a receiver position, two main jobs. You got to get open and catch a ball. And then on the perimeter of the formation, that certain things are a little more relevant. When you play inside the formation, there are other things that you have to deal with. So there's more space that you have to deal with. There's more bodies. I would say there's more things happening at a high rate of speed. And really when you get to third down, Inside part of the formation, I'd say, is where a lot of completions are going to take place, which is why defense try to pack the middle of the field to force the ball to the perimeter of the formation. So those players that are on the inside part of the field, like what do they do well? Do they have enough short space quickness to create separation from the defender? Can they make contested catches in tight coverage, which on third down there's probably going to be a lot of tight coverage. So what you do offensively is an important part of that. Schematically, what, what do you value? What's important? But the inside part of the field, there's a lot of different types, and I'd say the tight ends are a part of that discussion yep. as well because they're on the inside part of the formation. So you have to be careful about pigeonholing right. the receiver about, well, this is what we need, this is what he has to do. I would say if you look at inside slot or inside receivers, third down is kind of its own entity, and then first and second down, you're going to have players on the inside part of the formation. I would say the coverage is probably going to be a little bit different, so what that player might be asked to do or what you need him to do could be different as well. Yep. Nick, our TV producer here, Tyler Marcotte, uh, went to Central Michigan University and wants to turn this into the Troy Hairston show. Oh, the rest you made of the way. his day, Nick. Yeah, fire up chips. And I know you spent time there. I spent time there. But this is an interesting story, really, because he's an undrafted free agent. Who would have thought? And this is why you say in the offseason, hey, let it play out and see what happens and look what happened. Yeah, I think it's important to do that, you know, across positions. So you never want to assume or you never want to refute or, you know, well, it's not going to work out or this is what's going to happen. So you get the players in, you identify the traits and characteristics that you like, give them an opportunity. And then what does the player do with their opportunities and then take the information in and then go ahead and make the decision accordingly. So that's what we try to do across the entire team, not just specific to Troy, but there's other players that fall into that category as well. You took a guy from my alma mater, since you're talking about Central Michigan, I'm going to bring mine in. You took a guy that was a defensive lineman or a defensive end. You turned him into one of the great fullbacks in New England, that's being James Devlin. Is there something about playing on the defensive side of the ball that makes for a better fullback or a more effective fullback? Uh, not necessarily better, John, but you know when you play on a defensive side, look, you need tough competitive football sure. players offensively and defensively. Right. Like You need tough offensive linemen. You want to have a tough physical team, you better have tough physical offensive linemen. But you know, when you're playing linebacker and you're playing defense, there's a certain mentality that is associated with that. So you have to be able to play with strength. You have to be able to play with toughness. You have to play able to play with speed and chase the ball. You have to play, be able to play with a certain level of explosiveness on contact. So you're really just reversing what you're doing for at fullback that you were doing on the other side of the ball. And then it's learning the techniques, how to position your body, how to hit them at the right angle understanding the, the concept of the play, the blocking angles. Those yep. are the things that you sort of have to learn right. that are different. But football is football, and a lot of the traits and characteristics on the defensive side of the ball apply on the offensive side of the ball as well. How difficult was it to put together this tight end group as it stands right now because you had some injury issues throughout the preseason, but you're able to put together a group. Yeah, we had some moving parts. It's fair, Mark. We had some moving parts at this position. Um, you know, Farrell and Brevin have been on the field for the majority of the snaps. You know, Tegan's kind of been in and out of there. You know, Anthony was kind of not available here mm -hmm. for the majority of training camp. Um, we'll kind of see how that goes here moving forward. You know, Mason was on the field. You know, bringing Jordan Akins back, um, who we have some experience with, um, who kind of fits a certain profile and some of the things that we're doing you know, at that position. So, like any position, kind of look at our options, what's available, where are we as a team, and just try to maximize it. You know, I think there's some things that we've done offensively if you don't have a tight end. 
Maybe you use an offensive lineman in his place, which I'd say it's pretty commonplace, you know, throughout the course of the league as well. So we'll do whatever we think we need to do. And, and really thinking, going back to our earlier question about it's 48 players who are our best 48 that give us the opportunity to, I would say, offensively move the ball and score points, which is why we're on the field. I remember we sat here the Saturday after the draft was complete. And I know just hearing through Twitter, social media, fans, et cetera, they didn't, they didn't draft an edge rusher. They didn't draft an edge rusher. And you looked at us and you were like, hey, we, you know, we got some things. Don't don't worry. We'll be okay. And immediately after, Rasheem Green, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison come into the bunch. And that added to a pretty big group. And we always thought, man, this is a pretty deep defensive line. How did that defensive line break? I felt like that was, we talked about it a lot, that was going to be the hardest and most difficult cut. Did you like what you saw from the defensive line? Did you like the versatility of things you saw from veterans all the way down to rookies? Yeah, it was probably one of the more competitive groups, you know, we had out there, you know, in training camp. Um, I think as a team, we were fairly competitive, but sort of the defensive line, that was certainly, I mean, there were, I don't know, 12, 14 players that, you know, realistically, we could have very easily yeah. kept, you know, Rivers, if, you know, he didn't get a hurt, mm -hmm. he probably would have been in a mix because Derek improved relative to where he was last season. Yep. I'd say one guy that, you know, isn't really talked about that much, but Damone made a lot of progress yep. from last season to Huge. this season and what he did in training camp. So whenever those guys were on the field, they took advantage of their opportunities. So we knew we were going to have to make some difficult decisions. Um, that's the way it is every year. Some positions, maybe it's a little more relevant than others, but those players, they worked hard. Um, they've improved, and hopefully that translates over into being productive players on the field on Sundays. What about the next week and a half before the Colts game and how you will handle player acquisition, if there's anything, Nick, because you've got to keep your eyes out on what's available. Sure, we'll, we'll be strategic with it. Um, I think, you know, we're not going to be knee-jerk with anything. So we're call it 53 and 15 right now. We have one spot available on the practice squad. So we have a pretty good idea of where we are here currently. If there's a player out there at a, at a position that we feel – merits some discussion then we're always going to have those discussions that's our responsibility so try to you know for the most part the roster is where the roster is there's going to be some movement league-wide so there could be some things on the fringes really it's it's now we got to shift our thought process and mindset into okay this is our we're starting to start our preparation for indy and the things that go into getting ready to play the colts which will be a you know a pretty challenging opponent if a team if a team Sorry, Johnny. Okay. If a team releases a player, waves a player, and it's not readily apparent why on the tape necessarily, think, hey, that guy fits in pretty well. I wonder how hard is it to get information on that, and how important is that before you make a possible decision? Yeah, that's a great question. You kind of have to pick your spots. You, know, mm -hmm. you try to get, you know, you rely on the information that you may have here already internally in our database. So go back and look at some of the evaluations, the analysis of the player. And if there's something else that we need to get in addition to what we have, you know, we'll try to figure out a way because you just want to make sure you have some understanding of what you're getting, maybe what happened. Maybe it's just a change of scenery. Maybe something mm -hmm. pop up. They were just moving on. There's no particular reason. So I think it's certainly relevant, Mark, and you have to be, I'd say, like I mentioned earlier, just strategic about how you approach that. Love talking about our own team, but we finally talk about an opponent and a pretty darn good opponent. And I love when you start breaking down the other opponent because – those are always the first things I look at when we talk about what makes this team good. What makes the Indianapolis Colts great? Yeah, I would say, and they've made, they've allocated some resources here, even at the cutdown here. Like they're going to be good in the kicking game. Yeah. So they acquired Grant Stewart in a trade. Uh, Denbow's done a good job of safety from SNU in the kicking game. Doman's done a good job for in the kicking game. Speed is probably as difficult a matchup as any, I would say, size speed linebacker mm -hmm. in a kicking game. So, the kicking game's important. I mean, Bubba Ventrone does a great job in a kicking game. So they're good in a kicking game. They're good on both lines of scrimmage. They got a good offensive line. They got a good defensive line. They have the best back in the league. 
you know, traded for Matt, have a good quarterback, and you know, have you know, arguably one of the better young receivers in the league in Pittman. So they pose a lot of challenges. They present a lot of challenges, and you know, we saw that firsthand last year. So we got a lot of work in front of us. You know, they're a good team, and you know, we just got to make sure that we're prepared. You know, when they walk in here, you know, uh, a week from Sunday, and that make sure we're ready to go. Preseason scouting for them versus last year scouting. How do you handle that? Yeah, um, it's the same team, but it's a little bit different. You know, they have to learn the new personnel. And then defensively, they're making a change with Gus Bradley. So, mm-hmm. you know, Flus got the job in, uh, you know, in Chicago as a head coach. So they brought Gus back, you know, Gus, excuse me, brought Gus to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. So Gus is going to put his system in place, probably similar to what he did in Jacksonville, similar to what we did with the Chargers and then, you know, what he did last year with Vegas. So that's probably the biggest, I'd say, thing that's a little bit different relative to the Colts. Um, offensively, you know, Frank, you know, still there. Marcus Brady's still there. So offensively, probably the root of what they do is going to be similar. They just have a different person under center. So you take everything in totality, Mark, and try to look at everything that you think is going to help you prepare for the opponent. Nick, it felt like one of the most difficult decisions and what one is for you is do we put a guy on short-term IR or do we carry him on the roster because we know he'll be ready in two, three weeks? And how do you – how do you kind of balance that one out, the medical aspect of whether you put a guy in IR or where you put him? You want to keep him, but maybe he's not quite ready, but maybe we get him back by week three. How do you kind of handle that decision? It's a great question, John. I think we try to do the right thing by the player um, and just not necessarily think short term. Like right. you always want to have the player, right? but you don't want to put them in a position if they're not physically really ready to go. Because if a player isn't quite physically ready to go, look, a lot of players play hurt and they'll go out there and tough it out. But you want to make sure that he can go on the field and have full confidence and able to perform his job at an optimum level. So I would say, you know, we probably err on the side of caution just from a organizational perspective, philosophically. And I think Lovey and I uh, believe philosophically in the same type of thing. If a player is ready, he's ready. If he's not, then, you know, we'll have discussions about that, about what we think makes the most sense. And ultimately try to keep in mind the player's well-being as well. So try to be conscious of that. Is it tempting to say, I need to scout in person Ohio State Notre Dame this weekend <laughs> at the Horseshoe? Yeah, I think there'll be enough people that are smarter than me there watching. So I get more out of just watching a game on Exos when it comes in-house because mm-hmm. then you can really spend more time. When you go to a game live, I think if, you can, if you're watching something specific, that's one thing. But I would say in this case, you're going to see a lot of good football players all over the field and your mind can kind of wander a little bit. And then you're kind of focused, you know, can, you know, you can get lost there a little bit. We, so we need a segment called Nick's Picks. OK, <laughs> against the spread every week. Oh, we can't talk picks. gambling. The NFL will find me for that. So all we right. need to stay away from that. Never mind about that. <laughs> Nick, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, guys. A great idea from Mark. Just that's one that can't be executed. I like the idea, though. Nick's Picks. It would be great. And I've just. Nope, not going to happen with the focus of the NFL on gambling. We saw that impact on a guy like Calvin Ridley, uh, who did some things on DraftKings or whatever he did and ended up getting suspended for a year. So, yeah, gambling is a no-go for NFL employees, et cetera. So, yeah, Nick's picks, eh. You are just going to have to wait till week one on Friday when I do my picks, which, of course, are just for fun. They're not for gamblers or anything like that. They're just to discuss the games, as I've always said. Speaking of discussing games and, well, discussion in general, Drew Doherty stopped by for a little in the lab to have a little powwow about how his team was put together, how Nick and Lovey were able to do it. That's next in the lab right here on Texas All Access. 
I know everybody gets excited about the 53-man roster. Who made it? The cuts. It was 3 o'clock yesterday. I like the day after. Because that's when waiver claims happen. That's when some action starts to take place. That's when practice squads start to come together. Uh, and that's where we are now. No official statement yet from the Texans as far as who made the practice squad. But there are a lot of names we've, we've heard. Marlon Mack being on the practice squad. Uh, I just saw Cedric Obwehi going to the practice squad. Amongst others, I think Jalen Camp is there. So when that becomes official, we'll obviously bring it to you. So a lot of things going on with the Texans. 53-man roster with the practice squad. And I, this is the time of year I love. Now, I know it's a stressful time for the players, for their agents, for their families, also for coaches and, and GMs too, getting it right. You know, did you, get, did you cut the right guy? Did you save the right guy? And there's always one you regret, but there's always one where you go, you know what, I, I played a hunch and I played it right. And I'm sure Nick Casario and the staff and Texans uh, have done that as well. One that I just saw a little while ago, Trey Sermon. Got cut by the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And I actually, on my play card, I said this uh, Thursday night. Uh, last Thursday night. Boy, it feels like a long time ago. That Trey Sermon was one of the guys that I was looking at. Because running back-wise, you don't know what's going to happen. How's that going to shake out? I mean, Trey Sermon's available after just one year. So, don't know what the Niners didn't see. But he has been waived. Trey Sermon is Available Now, there are a lot of things going on, and Drew Doherty and I tried to encapsulate all of them right here with our In the Lab. Let's go. I didn't really get surprised, and you and I chit-chatted about this offline on text mm -hmm. yesterday. I didn't really get too surprised by any of these nope. roster moves. Really not. Clint Sterner, I thought, to give him full credit, yes. in the post-game show after the final preseason game, brought up the idea that he thought Marlon Mack was probably going to be cut. And initially I said, What? Clint, what? In my mind, on the yeah. ride home. But he laid it out very, very clearly. Saying. The reasons. Basically saying he's coming off an injury. Mm -hmm. He's a veteran. He's probably going to be more expensive than the other options you have at that position. And you know, he wasn't doing it like, he wasn't saying like, oh, Marlon Mack is awful. Blah, right, blah, blah. right, right, right. He's just saying of yeah. that group, yeah. he's probably going to be the odd man out. So right. he, uh, I think that's the best way to putting it, of putting it. Odd man out. Odd man out yeah. because... And that was the only real surprise. The only the only two, which you and I, we do 53-man rosters all the time. We're always trying to figure out who's going to be on the 53-man roster, all that kind of stuff. And the really, the only two things that I didn't have was I had I had uh, Brooks over Stewart at safety, mm -hmm. and then and then Marlon Mack. That was that was it. Other than that, it was all pretty much the roster revealed itself, as as Nick Casario likes to say. Hey, the roster will re reveal itself. Lovey Smith mentioned it at his press conference, and it really yeah, did. Yeah, Lovey said that a few it, times, it really, paraphrasing. It, yeah. But And essentially, yeah, essentially the point being that guys will – water will find its level. Guys will find their natural spot, or they'll fade, or they'll shine, whatever. The, the, they've got plenty of time. they got three preseason games. they got a full month of training camp. They will shine or they won't, and it'll be pretty evident. The Marlon Mack one was the one that I was like, hmm. Now, I have seen some reports that they're planning on bringing him back on practice squad, which would be really cool mm -hmm. to give him that opportunity to have him here. And again, we've said this, Mark and I have said this, you and I have talked about this, the fact that a 53-man roster is not set in stone. You don't go over there and chisel it out of the marble and right. be like, this is the – no, that thing changes – that thing's written in pencil. And him coming back is probably, I'm guessing there's some, like, 
massaging of contracts potentially that goes yes. in there. Like if he's potentially, on, yes. if he's there week one, it costs a whole lot more. You know, this is just something that I'm throwing out there. I, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. imagine that's that could go into it, and that's why you might see guys like you're talking about. This is such a fluid process. You might see guys get added right after that first game, what, or you know, later. You remember that happened to uh, John Weeks last year. Uh-huh. It happened with Weeksy last year where he was, quote-unquote, released. Mm-hmm. And it was some procedural thing that they had to get to 53, and they told him, look, it's procedural, we're bringing you back. And I think when everybody first saw it, they were like, oh, John Weeks. And then when the following reports came out that, okay, look, this is a procedural thing. He's coming back. There's no, no worries. But he relaxed. And that's – maybe that happens with, with Marlon here. Who, who's to say? But the um, – the thought being the 53-man roster came together about like we expected, which, I don't know, good or bad, but it was sort of evident this training camp. It didn't seem like there were a ton of secrets or surprises. Mm-hmm. So they got to the 53-man roster that they'll start the year with as of whatever today is when you're listening, and then they'll go forth. There might be a player added. There might be a couple added. There might be a couple moved. You know, throughout the season, that'll happen because of injuries and movement and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if we'll have a Danny Amendola, but we didn't know that we were going to have a Danny Amendola last year. No, not until basically this week. But, yeah, you know, about or, this or, next week. Yeah, like over the weekend, it seems right. like a Labor Day uh, signing. Okay, now if you listen to this podcast, you know from this last spring, a few times I mentioned how John and I love doing the mock draft simulators on places like pff.com yeah, or yeah. the draft network there's there those are two of the better ones i think and so doing that at least 3 4 times a week for a, a, a few months i got to know a little bit more about the running backs class yeah. that we just saw get drafted and now we've seen some guys get cut that when i picked them in mm-hmm. the 6th 7th round i was given an a plus grade because i picked these guys yes. and boy there's some there's some guys out there that are at least some of these sites thought very very highly of yeah that didn't wind up getting drafted but they went to camp with some teams right now they're gone any chance some of them stick perhaps with the Texans or do you think it's it's kind of going to be one of those things where we're going to roll the Texans are going to roll with what they have now maybe like you say bring Mac back or do you think there is a chance that uh, some young blood could be brought in I or- absolutely think there's there's an opportunity for young blood to come in look every player that you maybe that you released is not or or waived or whatever the case might be is not going to come back on practice squad of those maybe you get 12 11 i mean who knows what the number is there's going to be opportunity in worst case this is what the practice squad now does is it allows you to look at players and go you know what Mm, we're going to leave the 53 man roster where it is but what we're going to do is take this cat and put him on practice squad and let him get in the building and let him meet the coaches and let him show us a few things out in the field. And I think running back is one of those positions that you could do that with and feel comfortable. I always felt like offensive line, defensive line is kind of tough because you want to see how physical are they, you know, how are their hands, how they move, you know, some of that stuff that you'd like to see with pads on. You're not going to have that opportunity. But a running back, yeah, you may not see exactly all the vision, but can he catch the ball in the backfield? How does he hit the hole? How quick does he hit the hole? And then, obviously, all the things that go around off the field. How is he in meeting rooms? How is he with the coaching staff? How quickly does he learn? How quickly does he retain? All that kind of stuff. You could, I think, 
see it in a running back and bring a guy and put him on practice squad and say, look, you'll have an opportunity down the road. Mm-hmm. Let's see what, what you're going to do with that opportunity. And at that point, you don't cut somebody from the 53-man roster. You don't have to make that decision, but you realize you got two or three spots on practice squad and your draft room, like that particular back or like that particular you know weapon X or whatever he is, hey, let's take a flyer on him. He's out and available. They've probably had some feelers out there and probably through the draft process. If they liked him in the draft process, they probably talked to him during that process. At some point, a scout, uh, James Lipford, maybe all the way up to Nick, oh, there's talk no to that question. player. Yeah, so they've had communication these guys. With, yeah, yeah, they have some college. good intel. Exactly. Now it's just jiving with what you've seen from right. and heard of what he's been doing since May with that new team. Right. And, you know, there are so many players over the history of time whether it's running back or whatever, that they weren't drafted, they didn't stick for whatever reason. Coaching changed. Coaches couldn't see how to use that player. They didn't find the right fit. The player that always comes to mind for me is James Harrison. Debo was cut, I think, three or four times by the Steelers. They just couldn't figure out what to do with him. And he, they finally were like, you know what, let's, just, let's keep this guy around. Let's see what he does with special teams. And then that turned into, well, you know what, he does pretty well on special teams. He doesn't look like a pass rusher, but you know, in practice, he keeps getting the pass r- to the quarterback. Let's put him <laughs> out there. Man, he's pretty good. Let's play him all the time. Oh, yeah, he's really, really good. Let's make him a Pro Bowl or All Pro. And that's, you know, a guy that could potentially go to the Hall of Fame at some point. That was a guy that people just didn't know how to use and what to do with him. And they finally figured it out. And maybe that happens for, for a number of guys. And maybe it happens for some of these guys that get waived and released. So I'm, I'm always willing to take a shot on a guy. If I saw something in college that I like, heck yeah, I'd take a shot at him. I think Tyler Batty was a guy from Missouri who I think was at the Ravens, if I remember. Now, he's not a big dude. He is not a big dude. He's 5'7", but he is tough as a $2 steak, man. He will run inside, but he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a tough He's a tough little guy. Is that a guy you want to take and maybe try and develop into a third down back? Sort of a, if you go in the Texans way back machine, remember uh, Akeem Hunt, right? I do, yeah. Akeem Hunt? That was kind of Tyler Batty, and that guy gave you, a—I mean, some of the most memorable plays of, of 15 and 16 Akeem Hunt did. So you had a player like that, you know, who's to say? But you just want to make sure that whoever you're putting on that practice squad, you feel like, okay, we can, A, develop this guy over time, or B, this is a guy that at some point we foresee playing on this roster in 2022, or C, both. Yeah, I'm cool with Biddy. Uh, I also like Zaquandre White. But oh, that's, yeah, that's a Quan- story for, for another time. Okay, Ross Blacklock has been dealt yeah. to the Vikings. We've seen the reports. He goes along with a seventh-round pick, and in return, the Texans get back a sixth. So that means the Texans now have four sixth-rounders. Mm-hmm. They don't have a seventh-rounder because that's theirs that got dealt to Minnesota. Right. They they got a seventh-round conditional pick back when they traded cornerback John Reed a year or so ago. Right. But – the day that he got cut before the season started, nixed that deal. So he got cut. They right. brought him back. He did play, I think, six-plus games. Doesn't matter. But it wasn't enough. Yeah. Texans are not getting that pick. So if you see that listed out there, that's not correct. And John Reed did make the Seahawks this year, by the way. Well, he made the initial 53-man roster. Good for John. Yeah, I, mean, I, exactly. I like John when he was here. Uh, exactly. It just didn't work out here. So the Texans have four sixths, two ones, two threes, and a two, four, and five. That's 11 picks total in 2023. We know they're not going to take 11 players. No. 
a lot of those picks are going to get dealt. Right. Many of them will be dealt the week of, the, the weekend of the draft. But lots and lots and lots of ammo right now for Nick Casario and company. And no ammo in the seventh, which I think they like because they don't have to dicker around right. with that. And right. they can start working on undrafted yeah. free agents, negotiating with them, saying, hey, uh, you got a spot here for competition. We think we could use you. Right. They get a head start on things. So that's, I think, an under rated little aspect of this deal uh in addition to getting compensation for a guy that might have been on the chopping block yeah you, know, you might have had to just cut him i mean you get something you essentially you move up in the draft you essentially pick swap yeah. is what you did you're like hey we're gonna move up to six you guys move down to seven and you'll get a guy that we really felt like had run its course here in houston that's unfortunate because i i loved ross yeah as a human being he was just a sweet Teddy bear of a man. I went to Mexico with the guy. Yeah, I mean, he was He's just awesome. A, yeah, just a really good, good dude. Amongst the D-line, again, the roster reveals itself to you. It was pretty clear, and I watched every single rep of one-on-one -on -one live, and I watched every single rep of one-on-one -on -one and inside drill on film, every single one. So I saw everything in training camp at least, at least three or four times. It was clear the 10 guys that should have been kept. If they yeah. were keeping 10 or 9 or what I can't remember what the number is, I think it's 10. Those were the 10. If you said, give me the 10, that's the 10. I worried about 9 because I worried about having to make a decision between Dwam 4 and Heinish, and I felt like both of them deserved it. I felt like Heinish was probably a hair ahead of what Dwam 4 gave them, but, man, Dwam 4, was, he was coming. And when you think about having that position, essentially the position Roy plays, there are two interior defensive positions. One is the three technique. A little bit quicker, that's Malik. A little bit quicker, a little bit lighter, but a guy that is, is there to create havoc up the field. So that was what hopefully they wanted Ross to be. But that never came to fruition. But you have some guys that can play that spot. Ross can play that spot. Rasheem Green can go inside and play that spot. Thomas Booker can play that spot. But he can also play the other spot, which is a nose tackle spot. That's Roy. That's Heinish. That's um, sometimes Booker. Booker can play both, which is nice. And then you have Dwumfor who can play that spot. And I think, and I think uh, that Dwumfor can play both those spots too because he is pretty quick. Um, and, and, and small point that we need to point. Small thing we got to point out right now. We've heard all about flexibility and how valuable that is. And yes, it is nice to have guys who can play multiple. But these guys can do things at each of these spots, That's, like excel at each of these spots, not just play and give you the league average, but they've got they've got ways that they can make plays as an outside guy, make plays on the interior, and that's so very attractive. That's so very tantalizing right now and something I'm very, very excited about. The V word became kind of a bad word, versatility, sure, sure. during the Bill O'Brien era because it would be the first thing out of Bill's mouth, and, oh, he's versatile, and... What ended up happening was people would hear, oh, he's versatile, and then watch him go to those multiple spots and not play well and think, oh, versatility is a sham. No, versatility is hugely important. Mm -hmm. But the key is, like you just said, Drew, you got to be able to play both spots. Sure. You can't just line up there. Oh, that's, that's not versatility. Versatility is being able to line up and be productive at multiple spots. So the D-line uh, got it right. You, you bring up a good point, though, about the getting the undrafted signees getting that process going. I mean, right now at the initial 53-man roster, you're looking at Kurt Heinisch. You're looking at Jake Hansen, um, uh, Troy Hairston, three guys that 
you have on the initial 53-man roster that came from the undrafted process. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have gotten them if you would have waited till the very last pick and, and, and to really kind of move that process along. But if you get a, if you get a jump start, and, and the other thing is, if you had a seventh-round pick, maybe you pick one of those guys. So it becomes a drafted pick. Either way, you got them through the undrafted process because 256 picks went by or whatever it was, and those guys didn't get picked. But you brought him here. You converted Harrison to fullback. That's been a good move. Kurt Heinisch has been, I think, a great signing. And, and Jake Hansen, I was curious. I really liked him at Illinois, but when he didn't play in 2021, he's off the radar screen. Like, how bad is the injury? You never made, know how guys are going to come back. Made plays this August. Dude, he came back in preseason, and you could he could fly. Mm-hmm. He can abs- That is one thing about every single linebacker on this defense. They can all run. And Hanson is a perfect example of that. Oh, by the way, the last two years with Lovey in 19 and 20 at Illinois, his last two full years in college, he led the nation in takeaways combined for those two years. Combined. Lovey, Lovey loves takeaways. Absolutely. I mean, I love takeaways too. We all do. So, yeah, it's, to get that undrafted process, to see three guys on the initial 53-man roster, we don't know how that's going to shake out over the next two days, week, month, whatever, but – you at least know you found some value there. And it, if anything, if anything, you can bring those guys back or you hope to bring those guys back on a practice squad. I don't know if you can after what those three were able to do, but yeah. you, you'd want to be able to try that if you have to. So uh, it's, a, it's such an interesting process to me, Drew, just how you know guys that go to practice squad. I wish the NFL would just allow teams to – not cut a guy, but to say, you know, we're just going to take you straight to practice squad. Right. Like, we don't subject them to waivers. You know, if you want to subject guys to waivers, fine. But, you know, these six guys are locked, guaranteed practice squad. We're not cutting you. We're just moving you to practice squad. And then you could have the others, hey, we're going we're gonna to release you and put you on the waiver process and see what happens. But that'd be my, that, that would be my change to the whole thing. Lock up half the practice squad. With the eight guys you want, let the other eight guys subject them to the waiver process and see what happens. And then if you can bring them back, great. If not, I don't know. It just feels so risky. I don't know. I just that's the one part I don't like. Well, I'll say this. You know what I like? If Tim Jamison's listening to this podcast about two minutes ago, he was shaking his head and smiling because our good pal Tim Jamison, he yeah. played for this team for six years. Yep. He was an undrafted rookie in two thousand nine. And I think early October, end of September. He was the first guy that got called up from the practice squad, yeah. got his 53-man roster spot. He was uh, he made it that year before Arian Foster did. So yep. Arian's probably uh, talking pterodactyl instead of listening to this podcast. Yeah, maybe Tim is listening to this podcast. That's true. Thank I don't you, know. Tim. Do we translate that to pterodactyl so I, Aaron can uh, listen? I don't know. Either yeah. way. Yeah, I'm not sure that we translate that to pterodactyl, but if we did, Arian might listen. He might listen. But, yeah, Tim Jameson, one of those guys undrafted, ended up being a – Really important player for this team in 13, man, for a while. 09, I think Drew said, all the way to 14, 15 maybe. He just was always around and always providing very good value on the defensive line and hoping that guys like Kurt Heinisch and Thomas Booker and Michael Dwumfor, some rookies and young guys on the defensive line, can do the same down the road. All right, we're going to finish up. We're going to go around the league, hit on a few items, including Baker Mayfield says, I didn't say that. How about the Cleveland Browns? That's next on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans All Access.
we got one final segment of this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris. Glad to be with you. I may have buried the lead earlier. I mentioned some of the things happening with the practice squad, but I think I failed to remind everybody or alert everybody to the fact that Texans did make a waiver claim, and that is Tyler Johnson, formerly of the U. Now, if you live in Minnesota, the U in Minnesota is the University of Minnesota. The U is not the University of Miami. Everywhere else, the U is the University of Miami. But in Minnesota, the U, as it's referred to, is the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. Tyler Johnson spent a couple of years with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, he's at a position where there's Chris Godwin, there's Mike Evans, there is now Julio Jones, and there just wasn't a lot to go around. And so the Bucs uh, waved Tyler Johnson. The Texans had the number three spot. They claimed him. And when I saw the fact that he had been cut, Mark and I were in studio, and we were kind of chopping it up about various things and talking about – and something happened right as I saw it because I was going to turn to him and go, I, we need to claim him. 6'1", 205, can play inside, can play outside, can do some things, watch them against the Colts. I was actually watching for the Colts. And on the first route, couldn't hang on to a pass. The second one, he beat Kenny Moore on an inside route, made the catch for a first down. Tom Brady hit Tyler Johnson with some big throws while he was in Tampa as a rookie uh, on it to last year. So Tyler Johnson becomes part of the Texans receiving core. I mentioned a little earlier, the 49ers have gotten rid of Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon was a third round draft pick. And I bring that up because he's a running back. And when Marlon Mack was released yesterday, now Coming back to the practice squad, at least that's what I think the team would like to be able to do. If he comes back to practice squad, he's in the house, then you got an opportunity to use him. I don't know if a guy like Trey Sermon makes any sense, but would you take a flyer on Trey Sermon, the former Oklahoma, former Ohio State running back who finished 2020 with a flourish? He went nuts down the stretch, and that might be a guy you take a look at. Maybe not. It was one of the guys that I wanted to look at when we played the Niners uh, last week. Another guy I wanted to look at was Tree Castro-Fields. He ended up getting claimed after he was released. A drafted rookie by the Niners. He gets picked up, I believe it was by the Washington Commanders. So things going on throughout the league. It does appear, uh, for your Texans, that Tavier Thomas will go to IR. Team Quatoriano going to go to IR. And with Tyler Johnson coming in, I think, if my math is correct, it leaves one more opening. That's 52, but we'll see what that actually can mean for the Texans. A big thanks to Mark, to Nick Casario, as always, to Drew Doherty. You guys are the best for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.